Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Tragic news last night. A young state trooper dying in the line of duty trying to stop a stolen vehicle from fleeing police in Plainfield. Indiana State Trooper Aaron Smith uh, passing away at the age of 33. Leaving behind a young wife. And this was a story that happened not too far from where I was last night on the southwest side. It started at the Ameriplex area, and there was a report of a stolen vehicle. And then the suspects decided to flee. And they jump on Interstate 70, and this police chase ensues ensues going up to uh, Ronald Reagan Parkway near Plainfield. And then 33-year-old Indiana State Police Trooper Aaron Smith, he tried to put those stop sticks out, basically which are designed to flatten the tire of the vehicle. But unfortunately, the scumbags that were inside of this vehicle crashed into him, costing him his life. This was the announcement last night at a press conference from Superintendent Doug Carter. Here we are again. Here here we are again. Uh, This young trooper is one of the best of us. He's been on the department about five years. Um, But he, he he didn't survive tonight. sure what to say other than the sadness continues to follow us and um, he's got a young wife beautiful family that is here tonight of course and will continue to surround them and that was state <sighs> superintendent doug carter holding back the tears yeah, you could hear the emotion in his voice for sure one of his guys died um, in the line of duty no less i'm looking at pictures right now of trooper smith uh this was from wrtv's Facebook page just a couple of days ago in Johnson County helping out his neighbors uh, clean up tornado damage. His wife was there. There's just there's pictures of him right there helping out with the trees and stuff. And then, you know, a couple of days later, killed in the line of duty, gone. Pretty good athlete when he was younger. Played ball at Whiteland High School, I believe. Played football. And um, it, it's so frustrating because this was such a senseless death. If you're fleeing from the police, if you just pull over, right, you're not going to get away. You know you're not going to get away at this point. Just pull over, and you'll probably be back out on the streets sooner rather than later. But you had to murder this guy, and that's what it was. It was murder. And two Missouri teenagers have been charged in this crash. 18-year-old Eddie Jones, charged with murder, and 19-year-old Damarian Curry, charged with auto theft. These are the two scumbags that have taken a husband, taken someone's son, and taken a hero from the streets of Indianapolis, crashing into him. And also involved in this, Nige, a missing 15-year-old female has been turned back over to the authorities in Missouri. Uh, She has not been charged in this incident. So the way that I see this, Trooper Smith, 
He won this. He was part of the winning team that apprehended these suspects. That's a win. He lost his life making sure the good guys won. And I want his legacy to be that of a winner, that of a hero. And you just pray for the family and the co-workers yeah. of this fallen I mean, look, trooper you know the the family part of it i know all too well my family went through the same thing probably 40 years ago my uncle was a state trooper died in the line of duty chasing a drunk driver and you never get over it you're never the same my my aunt Teresa, my mom um my aunt joe uh my cousins who were very young at the time um i i, I just I, I know that they it just you'll never be the same you never get over something like this and uh i just you know i pray for uh, trooper smith's family heart goes out to you Governor Holcomb put out a statement, uh, basically thoughts and prayers to the officer and his family and the entire Indiana State Police Department. Here's what I would love to see Governor Holcomb do on his way out, because he's in his lame duck phase as governor right now. He's termed out for the time being in Indiana. Bring back the death penalty for those who kill Mm. law enforcement officers. Actually use it. Because I know for a fact there are some folks on Indiana death row, Benjamin Ritchie, I believe, being one of them, who killed a cop in Beach Grove, who are out of appeals. They have had the legal system run its course. They're out of appeals, but yet there they are. And the excuse given is that, well, the company that makes that lethal injection cocktail, they don't want to be known as the, you know, killing drug. But other states have been able to figure out ways to execute folks on death row. So if you want to make it up to a lot of people in the state of Indiana, Governor Holcomb, the ones that you locked down during COVID, the ones you called a petri dish that just wanted to open up, the people that saw you meet with Malik Muhammad, here's what you do. On your way out the door, you find a way to kill some of these people that are out of appeals. Let it be known that if you kill one of our law enforcement officers in the state of Indiana, you will die yourself. That's what I think. Maybe I'm the Lone Ranger here. It kind of depends on your thoughts on the death penalty. But if you're going to have it, and the state of Indiana does have it, use it. And if you're not going to use it for cop killers, what are you doing? Sickening, absolutely sickening. Another big story that came out late yesterday, Broad Ripple Village Association. They're making the bars, well, I shouldn't say they're making. They've announced that the bars and restaurants will be closing at around 1 a.m. moving forward. That's the plan right now. Now, this goes back to a very violent weekend this past weekend, Nige. A couple people shot and killed. They've had a lot of problems in Broad Ripple lately. Long story short, because Joe Hogsett and Ryan Mears can't control their city, the bar owners in Broad Ripple now... They're scrambling, trying to figure something out. And a lot of the, a lot of the other, what's not talked about too is not only the the loitering and you know some people coming to this area at one thirty, two o'clock in the morning when most of those bars are shut down anyway. 
and just loitering and bringing guns. And the construction in that general area is making things so bad. You can't get on the street. The fencing is 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 making it so that you are all kind of in there in close proximity. You can't get out of the bars very easy. It's just th- that whole, in general, the construction projects going on in Broad Ripple are making people's lives miserable and businesses miserable as well. It's embarrassing, though, that our business owners in the city of Indianapolis, and I count Broad Ripple as that, yeah. have to make these types of decisions. It's embarrassing that they have to get together and go, well, because crime is so out of control, even though it's not necessarily happening in our bars, in our facility, we're going to have to figure something out because we're getting blamed for this kind of stuff. And that's what's happening now. A lot of these bar owners got together and said, we don't want to be the blame for all of this. So we're going to close early. Now, some bar owners are really going to miss out on a couple hours worth of revenue. And again, the whole reason this is happening is because Hogsett and Mears have no handle on crime in the city. And there are a couple of problem bar owners as well that are fostering these types of activities. Make no mistake about it. The ones that didn't want to close at 1 or one thirty are the, the problems from what I understand. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hello. Hammer's over there. My name is Nigel. Former god-awful House Speaker Paul Ryan. <laughs> I think that's his official title, actually. Former god-awful House Speaker, former uh, and current uh, rhino in charge over there at Fox News. He's on the, the board there at Fox News. Paul Ryan going on, uh, well, I guess technically it's his competition, CNBC 2. Rip Donald Trump. Look, it's a disaster if we nominate Trump. You know, I think that I've been saying this for a long time. But Liz is right, which is he could win. I think we lose with him. I think we're much more likely to lose. We haven't won anything with him since he first won in 16. We lost the House in 18, the presidency in 20, the, the Senate in 20, and we could have won the Senate in 2022, but for him. Are you going to endorse Is Rupert going to tell you who to endorse? <laughs> no, I'm going to endorse whoever I want, but right you're now. On the, I'm you're on the board of Fox. That's why I, I said it. Yeah, I know. I know. It's a joke. I'm for anybody not named Trump right now. Anybody, anybody not named Trump? Anybody not named RFK? Trump? Anybody not named Kennedy? A Republican not named Trump. <laughs> yeah. So Paul Ryan <laughs> endorsing anybody not named Donald Trump. So Nigel, let's make it official. Let's congratulate Donald Trump on his nomination <laughs> as the GOP candidate for the presidential race. You know what's funny with these interviews with these Trump derangement syndrome sycophants, these these rhinos, Republican in name only, like like Paul Ryan is like he didn't expand on why Trump is a threat or a disaster. To America, he used. I think he used the word a disaster. Like, what would be the policy that Trump would enact if he's president that would be a disaster? Uh, Negotiating better deals with overseas adversaries like China, perhaps. I don't know. Beating inflation. um, uh, You know, reinstating (laughs) the remain in Mexico policy. Now he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. Like, what would he prefer? A Democrat. (laughs) <laughs> well, he said no to RFK Jr. He said a Republican there. But, man, I can't even believe I'm going to say this. 
I kind of agree. Donald Trump, I don't know if he can win the prime the to win the general election rather. I don't know if he can do that. Has he done anything to better his case in states like North Carolina, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin? Has he done anything to make you say, "Okay, this time's going to be different?" I understand that. But I'm just telling you, 99% of the time when Paul Ryan says something, I'd like to be on the other side. So that's why it's a little weird for me right now. I kind of understand what he's trying to say because I'm tired of losing elections too. I am somebody that votes predominantly for the Republican candidate. And right now, it's like being a fan of the Washington Generals. <laughs> you have faith, you have hope, but at the end of the day, you know what's going to happen. They're going to dump a bucket of water on your head that's going to be loaded with confetti, and you're going to lose another election. This is Chris Christie. Oh, another one. He jumped on with Lawrence Jones on Fox News last night. And remember how the GOP said, look, if you want to be a part of these debates, you got to sign our waiver that says you're going to support whoever the candidate is. Well, Chris Christie says, I'm not doing that if it's Trump. And Donald Trump needs to work for this if nomination. If he becomes so the nominee, do y'all become friends again? Does he offer you a cabinet post again? Do y'all clean this up if I don't, he becomes the nominee? I don't think so. I think you know, some of the some of the stuff he's called me um, over the last few months. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, and and I, that's sad. But it is the truth of the matter, and it's his doing. But you're not closing the door to voting for him. I'm, no, I'm saying I can't support him. I you can't. Su- you won't vote for I him. I can't support either one of them. Okay. Not Biden or Trump, because they're not competent and qualified to be president for different reasons. Joe Biden, predominantly because of his age and what we've seen on TV. So Chris Christie effectively saying, no, I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump. If he becomes the nominee, Dream might not vote out, at huh? all of the yeah. presidential election because yeah. if it is a rematch, well, yeah. he just said he's not voting for either one of them. So that's a solid message from Chris Christie. <laughs> Don't rock the vote. Don't exactly. get out and vote. That's exactly what he's trying to do, and that's what m- m- may happen. I- I'm not voting for Donald Trump if he is our, if he if if he is the uh, elected the front runner in the Republican Party. Wow. Now, right now, second place in all the polling is Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. He spoke to Martha McCallum of Fox News and said if he becomes the president, he's going to get rid of a couple major agencies that currently exist. The Department of Education, the Department of Commerce, Energy Departments, and the IRS. Are you in favor of of eliminating any agencies? I know conservatives in the past have talked about closing the Department of Education. Would you do that? So we would do education, we would do commerce, we do energy, and we would do IRS. And so if Congress will work with me on doing that, we'll be able to reduce uh, the the size and scope of government. But what I'm also going to do, Martha, is be prepared. If Congress won't go that far, I'm going to use those agencies to push back against woke ideology and against the leftism that we see creeping into all institutions of American life. So getting rid of the IRS, while I applaud that, I would love for that to become true. This almost sounds like grasping at straws here. This is, hey, let's see if we can get some headlines and improve our polling. I don't think that I don't see that ever happening. I mean, Joe, it's like. I don't think it's quite on par with Joe Biden saying he's going to cure cancer if he's elected president, (laughs) but saying you're going to abolish the IRS. 
uh, okay, I like the idea in theory, but I don't know about it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Got a guy on the other line about some white walls. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. Joel, Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. We haven't had a good old-fashioned breakdown in a long time, so let's get Naptown Bry, Brian Baker in the mix. Mr. Baker, it's been a bit. How are you? I'm great, man. I thought I had been shadow banned from the radio station. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I know you're a big part of uh, what we do here at the Hammer and Nigel Show with your work on AI. And we'll talk about that here in just a moment. But one of the big headlines, and it's been a crazy news day here in Indy today, Brian. But one of the big yeah. national stories is the Supreme Court rejecting affirmative action at colleges, calling it unconstitutional. And of course, Joe Biden's panties are melting. Obama's going to Twitter. What do you think? Well, you know, I, there are a couple of different ways to look at this, guys. I mean, this particular policy, I think the Supreme Court ruled in 2003 that colleges could consider race as uh, as one of the criteria when they're considering whether or not to admit a student into the university. Um, but, you know, as usual with the press, they're making a big deal out of this thing. But really, all this says is that the administration, the, the college uh, folks that are making the big decisions here, they can't just automatically give you points because you're black or you're a minority of, of some other sort. They can, however, still consider whether you suffered uh, under under racism, you had to overcome racism and, and challenges and discrimination, and you still managed to thrive and push through and reach your goals. That can be considered when they're trying to make a determination on whether or not to allow you to attend university. And, uh, you know, from my perspective, isn't that a good thing? Isn't that progress? Isn't that truly uh, not only equality, but judging someone based Based on uh, their performance as an individual, and you know, if it's not, I mean, there's there's a couple of ways to look at this. You need to say, okay, uh, affirmative action has been a really uh, effective policy since really it first came into play in the in the 1960s. And if that's the case, well, then all of the uh, the blowback that we hear about how uh, America's so racist and there's still such problems with discrimination, uh, that all goes away, right? We've got a, a, a just an amazingly successful program. But if that's not the case, then we've had 70, what, 60, 70 years of uh, testing with this, uh, this policy to see whether or not affirmative action is good for America and whether it makes any kind of a tangible difference for minorities. And if the case is no, it, it has hasn't done that, then wouldn't you think maybe it's time to retire that policy and maybe come up with something that might be a little bit more effective? Which is it? You know, one of the things that Joe Biden uh, talked about during his little speech today on the Supreme Court and their ruling was that, look, you guys got it all wrong. Affirmative action isn't someone of lesser quality or uh, lesser education. <laughs> he was like, it's someone that's lesser qualified to taking a slot. We get them all in a pool. They're all qualified through testing and other means. And then 
then we consider racism. <laughs> then, we can, then we consider then we consider the race. So he his point it was point was was still so off kilter. It's like no nobody that's not qualified is taking the spot of somebody that's qualified. All of these people are qualified. We get them into a room and then we consider race. And then we pick by race. <laughs> I know it's it's become such a clown show. And it guys, wasn't and in Harvard, by the way. It's it was the Asian Americans that were getting the shaft. It's not it wasn't white what? people white conservatives here. It's the Asian Americans that were that were affected negatively by this. Yeah, and you know, I got a friend. Um, you know, my adopted sister in California. She's a Princeton grad, uh, and also a very strong Reagan constitutional conservative. And she grew up in extreme poverty under really hard circumstances. But one thing that her mother was really adamant about is just, you know, you're going to study. You're going to just study your butt off. You're going to you're going to read. You're going to learn. You're going to push yourself as hard as you possibly can. And when they showed up, and she had all these high marks from uh, from high school, and had participated in all these extracurricular activities, had done a lot in the local community. They looked at all of that, and even though she had basically no money whatsoever, they looked at what she managed to achieve, despite all the obstacles that she had to overcome, and they found a way for her to be able to go to Princeton, and in fact, she graduated without owing them any money. So, these colleges, especially the elite universities, they have programs and they have means of helping people if they really have earned the right to have that assistance. But you can't just blanket give things away, if we've learned anything in the United States, that just giving people things without any kind of strings attached is never good for the individual, nor is it good for society. Brian Baker joining us here for The Breakdown. Before we get into the uh, Bidenomics, Brian, how are you? I saw some pictures you posted on your social media yesterday. Oh, man, yeah. You got into a little nasty car accident. Are you all good? I'm good. Isn't it amazing how much a head wound can bleed? Yeah, that was that was that was gnarly. Wow, there was blood on your headrest there. It looked like something out of Goodfellas. <laughs> it was it was really scary, guys. My uh, my daughter, myself, uh, my mom, and my dad. We were we were at the Fort Wayne Zoo for the day. You know, having a nice relaxing afternoon. And then we're driving back, and my father had a little medical emergency. Next thing you know, we are uh, uh, pulling a, a minor Dukes of Hazard, flying off the road. We're taking down trees. Took out a bench. Oh I my god. Father had a had a, a major uh, uh, head wound, and so they had to send out ambulances. My mother broke her sternum. I will say, however, that in that process, because I, I have not necessarily had the best experiences at hospitals, but we went to Parkview Hospital in Fort Wayne. Oh my gosh, they are incredible. They are so good at what they do, and awesome. are so professional and competent. And I, you know, and and it, it doesn't hurt that the nurses are all extremely hot. But uh, <laughs> if I lived in Fort Wayne, I'd be looking. I'd be trying to find excuses to go to the hospital. I'd be wrecking my car all the time. But, you know, my father and Joe Biden actually have something in common, which is that my father is 80 years old. Now, uh, you know, my father, most people think he's in his late 60s because he is so sharp and he looks like a younger man as well. Wow. I've watched Joe Biden and I've seen the man just attempt to walk, let alone try to drive a car. And I was thinking about this the other day because my daughter was in the vehicle with us, thank God, unharmed. But I thought, you know, Joe Biden's the same age. Would I allow 
Joe Biden uh, to participate in uh, as, a, as a driver in the, the carpool for my kid at school? Probably not. You know, no. I, I mean, I don't think I feel real comfortable with that. I think there's a high degree of possibility that he would get into a horrible accident and perhaps my daughter would lose her life. And I think most Americans, regardless of whether or not they voted for him, we know we, he's got cognitive issues. They probably would not really feel comfortable with Biden doing that. So why are we allowing him to run the country? Doesn't that seem like maybe that might be a little bit, uh, you know, more consequential than just one person, one life? I think maybe folks need to reconsider before they uh, decide they're they're going to uh, hold their nose and vote for Biden. Now, Brian, Brian, hold on, hold on. Corrine Jean-Pierre says Americans feel better about their personal finances (laughs) under Biden's policies. Come on now, Brian. You know, uh, this administration, guys, they are good at one thing and one thing only, and that is gaslighting the American people. I have never seen it like I have under the Biden administration. It is insane to me, the statements that they make. But like all politicians, you know, they throw these things out. They got their talking points, and people just gobble it up. Because for some reason or another, we have such a small percentage of people, regardless of age, who actually care about facts, actually care about solutions to problems. They just want their guy to win. And they think all all uh, Republicans are, are bad, and, uh, and Democrats, they've got all the good ideas, or vice versa. And my gosh, you would think after all of the failed policies that we have had for decades and the condition that we find ourselves in now as a country, which is the result of failed policies on both sides of the political aisles, you would think that people would actually wake up and uh, you know maybe have a come-to-Jesus moment, but that doesn't seem to be happening. So what I'm hearing from you, now correct me if I'm wrong, you're not a fan of Bidenomics, is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, yeah I, Bidenomics. By the way, for his strategist, who made him uh, who came up with the idea that for his re-election campaign, with his approval numbers where they are, that they should lead with their biggest failure? Oh, I, I mean, know. One thing that it's a disaster. Well, out, they universally agree he sucks on it. The thing about talking with the, about the economy, though, and you know, Biden had his big Bidenomics speech, which was essentially, I guess, supposed to be, uh, I don't know, a, 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 it's supposed to be what the the opposite or uh, the the complete reversal of, of Reaganomics, because Democrats just love to go after Ronald Reagan and trickle-down economics. But guys, here are some actual facts that people can look up, and they don't lack any context whatsoever, which is always what happens with Biden's uh, people when they throw out their economic numbers. Trickle-down economics, that approach helps create 20 million new jobs and increased middle-class income by 11% in the 1980s. So it was by far, it was far from being a failure. The other thing that happened under Reagan, he came in after Carter, and they were dealing with just astronomical inflation. It went from 13.5% in 1980 to 4.1% by 1988, and unemployment fell from 7.6% to 5.5%, and real gross national product rose 26%. So tell me again how trickle economics, trickle-down economics was a failure. Well, Mr. Baker, you were kind enough to send us a message from uh, world-renowned economists and TV personality Ben Stein. Oh, wow. We've got AI Ben Stein standing by to talk a little bit about Bidenomics. <laughs> 2023, the Biden administration made an attempt to raise Joe Biden's approval numbers by touting the supposed benefits of a disastrous economic policy called anyone, anyone, Bidenomics. Did it work? Anyone? Anyone know the effects? Anyone? Anyone? 
It's good to hear from AI Ben Stein, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Mr. Baker. Question too. Yeah. Well done, sir. Uh, If anybody wants to continue this conversation, how do they find you? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at NaptownBride. But let me also remind you guys that you don't have to be an economic genius or an egghead in order to understand what's going on here or to really look at whether Bidenomics was a success. Take a look at the price of utilities, food, gas prices, interest rates, house prices, health care. Look at all of that and say, is this more or less affordable under Biden than it was under Trump? Is my life easier now than it was before Joe Biden took office? That should pretty much make it clear to you whether Bidenomics has been a rip-roaring <laughs> success or a disastrous failure. Brian Baker, you're the best. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Nige, in honor of these thunderstorms yes. that are making their way through, yeah. choose your own adventure here. Do you want to hear ACDC's Thunderstruck performed by a montage of baby sounds? Or... Do you want to hear ACDC's Thunderstruck performed by an old washing machine, a hillbilly with a guitar, and a hammer? I got it. Baby noises. Baby noises? Okay, here we go. It's a montage of baby noises. I love it. Is that Rob Kendall's baby? <laughs> it was Olivia. Baby Olivia. By the way, congratulations yeah. to our pal Rob Kendall. He's a new dad. You know what? Screw it. Can we hear the other one, too? The hillbilly I, with the... This is an old washing machine, a hillbilly with a guitar, yeah. and a sledgehammer. That's what's kind of happening out there right now for a lot of people in Central Indy. Nigel, how was your Olive Garden last night? Oh, man, it was delicious. The service was great. My my father-in-law john it was his birthday took the family out and uh and i got it you know i love good service i I love uh, they were a well-oiled machine there at uh, olive garden there on michigan road in carmel shout out to uh, ask for lauren to be your waitress she was great and uh, you know in a day and age where not a lot of businesses have great service right now they right. were a well-oiled machine there man I, and uh, everybody always complains about yeah, bad service right, right, right. it's important it's, to I, let people know when they do things right all right do not go anywhere coming up next a local bar owner tom sutton will join us in studio we'll get his perspective on what's happening right now Man, a lot of bar owners not happy with what's happening in the city of Indianapolis. We'll talk to him about that. Plus, an update on this severe weather making its way through Indy. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Uh, About an hour from now, FOP President Rick Snyder joining us live on the air to talk about the uh, tragic situation. Indiana State uh, Police Trooper Aaron Smith uh, losing his life in the line of duty last night during a high-speed crash. 
Uh, it all started kind of near you, right? The, the Ameriplex, Ameriplex area, yeah, on it, the southwest and it side. Took off towards um, what Ronald Reagan Parkway in seventy, and officer Trump, sorry, Trooper Smith was putting down those those stop sticks, which is meant to flatten the tires of the car they were chasing. The car careened and hit him and uh, tragically killing him in the line of duty. And we will speak with uh, FOP President Rick Snyder a little bit after 5 o'clock. We're also keeping our our eye on this weather system making its way through Central Indy. Right now, between AES and Duke Energy, approximately 60,000 people are without power. So we've got a little thread going on Twitter, uh, at Hammer and Nigel, kind of a roll call. If you are without power and yet you're still listening to our program, Add to the list because we want to see how far uh, this power outage is going because of the storm system making its way through not only torrential rain, but 70 mile per hour wind gusts Ooh. as well. So we have a lot of stuff going on here today. It looks like it's moving through pretty quick from what I can tell. I know uh, definitely in Zionsville, my wife, my wife does. Yep, no power. Uh, who knows when that'll come on? But how many, how, what? T- 60,000? Approximately 60,000 in the state of Indiana without power right now. That happened quick. Another big story we're keeping our eye on is the crime in the city and how that relates to businesses, bar owners, restaurant owners. The Broad Ripple Village Association, they have announced that a lot of the bar owners got together in Broad Ripple and said, you know what? We don't want to be blamed for all of this nonsense. We're going to close down early. We're going to close at 1 o'clock. We're going to sacrifice making some money so you guys can see we're not the problems here. Now, joining us in studio is an Indianapolis area bar owner, longtime friend of ours, uh, Tom Sutton from Coach's Tavern. Hey, Tom. How you doing, man? Hello, gentlemen. Pleasure to be here today. Thanks for the beer, by the way. Oh, no problem. Got some Jamaican red stripe beer. It's summertime. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Nigel was hoping Good. you'd bring Bud Light, by the way. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I, I actually want to ask you about Bud Light here in just a few minutes, but we'll get to the, the pertinent issues first. So as a bar owner, somebody who's got a prominent location, your bar, Coach's Tavern, kind of diagonal from the field house here in Indianapolis on Pennsylvania, have you seen problems around the city that have been concerning to you as somebody trying to run a business i mean sure it seems like every weekend either in broderpool or sometimes even here in downtown indy we have uh, some bad actors that show up and just want to wreak havoc and they want an audience of course in front of them so they go where it's crowded and it, it, it is it's scary for us how bad has it escalated over the last couple of years? Because you've been the owner, along with your co-owner, Adam, for a number of years at this bar. 15. 15 wow. years now, which is an amazing run, by the way. Um, how bad has the situation in the city declined, in your view? It really seems like, and you're right, the last couple of years, it seems like after COVID, everything just went to hell. And people forgot how to act. Nobody, there's no decency amongst people anymore. Um, like compare Indy to when Super Bowl was here. Now that was back in 2012, I yes, believe. So over a decade ago. Uh, how has Indy, in your eyes, changed for the better or the worse since then? 
Well, I mean, we, we have we have a higher murder per capita than Chicago, if that tells you anything. And that's that's just ridiculous that a city this we're not a small city, but we're not Chicago and we have more murders than they do per capita. Um, we have more ankle monitors total than anybody in the country. Well, yeah, you know, we got to let the violent offenders out so they can hurt somebody again. <laughs> do you see a lot of the same knuckleheads uh, creating problems around your bar? Uh, we're actually pretty fortunate. We're, we don't really have a lot of the bad actors on Pennsylvania Street. They, they tend to, to go over and, and bother uh, Meridian Street. I uh, feel sorry for my, my burners over there, but we've been pretty fortunate. But as I walk through the city every day to go somewhere for lunch, I see the same the same people, you know, just talking to themselves and just completely out You're of You're lucky it. if they're talking to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they're doing other things to themselves. That, that, yes. That, that's where we, we have, you know, we dump our trash on... Uh, Scioto Street, that's where a dumpster is. And I've seen some things I didn't care to see back there taking some Correct. trash out. So. What about one of the things that Boss Hogsett said after the shootings in Broad Ripple over the weekend is that he took some of the blame to the bar owners and business owners. Now, well, I, I think most I think most business and bar owners are operating, you know, on the level. I do believe that there probably are some bar owners that that are fostering this kind of thing, that are inhibiting, or not inhibiting, but enhancing and making things easier for this thing to happen. Yeah, there might be. I don't really know of any any personally that, that are doing that. When we all want to have a safe space for our employees, for our, our guests, for us. So I don't I don't know if I if I see that, but it may be an issue. So this Broad Ripple Village Association they have announced that the bar owners got together and said, we're not going to be your scapegoat here. We're going to close at one o'clock. You have a bar in downtown Indianapolis. I'm just curious from one bar owner to watching what others are doing. Would you have played ball and done the same thing? Absolutely not. Because usually between one and three is when we get much, much of our business. Um, it's usually all the industry people getting off work from the restaurants. They come in mm. and they you know, they spend tons of money. So it would be a big L for us because you're downtown by the hotel district. So I think that is a little different, maybe than Broad just Ripple. being out yeah. in Broad Ripple, Correct. where yeah, it's we've got three a lot of younger right folks on the corner from us. So, um, do you think the right decision was made based on their location and what they're doing? If you, Tom Sutton, owned a bar right there on the heart of Broad Ripple Avenue. Would you have said, all right, we're going to play ball. We're going to close down at 1 o'clock like everybody else. I, I do think it's very noble what they did. And obviously, safety needs to come first. You know, you can't put money over lives. So I, I do respect what they've done. And I don't know if it's going to solve the issue. Uh, it might just be a Band-Aid, which Joe Hogsett's good at putting Band-Aids on things. It's embarrassing they have to do this right. in the first place, It though. is. It is because City Hall will not give IMPD. They won't let them do their jobs. You know, if I'm a cop in this city, I'm scared to death to shoot somebody. That's creating a problem and all this. I get that. I totally understand that. It's so embarrassing, though, that the bar owners have to say, we're going to close down so you can't blame us because you can't handle what's happening in the city between Joe Hogsett's air quotes, leadership, and Ryan <laughs> Mears allowing people to get right back out on the streets. This is embarrassing that this city that hosted a Super Bowl not that long ago, that's hosting the NBA All-Star Game next year, can't even have their bars open until 2 o'clock. It is embarrassing, and it, it that's a total reflection on uh, on the, as you said, quote-unquote leadership in this city. I I get a lot of IMPD officers that come in for lunch, and they tell me they're arresting the same people every Ugh. couple of months. 
Like, I just arrest this guy, and he's out on an ankle bracelet. Right. They're really good about putting an ankle bracelet on repeat offenders here. So that way, when this repeat offender goes out and does another crime and hurts somebody, (laughs) they'll know right where he is. Exactly. Hey, Tom, what is... Okay, so for a couple months now, we've been talking about Bud Light and how that marketing campaign went sideways with with Dylan Mulvaney. I wouldn't even know who this dude was except for this Bud Light situation. They put him on uh, the can or whatever, and he's a guy that cosplays as a 13-year-old girl. And then you have the the marketing side of it where, uh, what was her name? Hammer the the Heinerschneid, <laughs> Heinerschneid, Lisa Heinerschneid. Um, the, was you know set this whole thing in motion. You know we need a different customer base. Our customer base is fratty, and they basically trashed their bread and butter in terms of customers. What I mean, so you're you're a guy that is in the bar business and has been selling Bud Light for years. Have you noticed anything, or is this kind of like a national thing that's been been blown out of proportion? A little um, bit? we've like, definitely yeah. seen a decline in Bud Light sales. Uh, I didn't. I actually do my beer orders uh, Wednesday for today, and I didn't order any Bud Light this week at all. We have it in draft wow. and on bottles, and I usually order at least a keg a week and uh, like, wow. you know ten cases and nothing this week. So. so this isn't something like Nigel said that's been blown up out of proportion by right wing talking points. You're a business owner. You're all about the money, and this stuff isn't being sold. Yeah, and, and you know, it's the whole thing to me is stupid. Um, is it doesn't really it doesn't affect Anheuser Busch as much as it affects the local distributors, like Sync Distributing here in Indy. They're the ones getting the hardest hit. Yeah, what's your rep say? I mean, what are those? What are those guys? Yeah, my say? reps. You know, he's commission based, so that's yeah. hurting him. So, again, one more thing before we wrap it up here. As somebody that has a bar in downtown Indianapolis. If Joe Hogsett's listening right now, if Ryan Mears is listening right now, what would be your message on behalf of fellow business owners to the gruesome twosome there? <laughs> uh, a, let IMPD do their jobs, have their back, and yes. B, uh, Mr. Mears, put these animals in cages and keep them there. Tom Sutton, owner, coaches, tavern, my man, thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Emma and Nigel presents is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I am going to run a couple different stories by you. You simply tell us if the stories in question are anything or not. Is this anything? There's a new trend with Gen Z where they're videoing themselves quitting their job and posting it onto social media. Boy. It's called live quitting. (laughs) And here's one posted to TikTok. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good I can't say it. I don't know how to say it. I know. I knew it was coming when you said that. I'm going to cry. <laughs> it's, look, if it's what you feel like you need to do, then I totally get it. We will be so sad and we'll miss you. But I'm excited for you and you'll do awesome. And by the way, why are you videotaping this with your phone? <laughs> what a dope. That is what Gen Z is all about. Everything you do, anything, everywhere you go, uh, any interaction you have with anybody, it's got to be on TikTok. Live quitting as opposed to 
quiet quitting. You know what quiet quitting is? We just mail it in, right? right? You just mail it in. You'd barely do the minimum and then uh, collect a paycheck for as long as possible until somebody wises to the game. No, this is nothing. Be a professional, for God's sake. She works for a social media company. Uh, I guess... I guess if you're working for a social media company, it would make sense maybe that you do live stream. You're right. quitting. Uh, bar owner Tom Sutton is still in here uh, from Coach's Tavern downtown. Has anybody quit in an unusual way um, in the past 15 years of you of Coach's Tavern being in business? Uh, we've had a couple of rage quitters, but I mean, really? they, they didn't. I mean, just people that you, you constantly have to supervise and tell them the same things over and over and over to the point where it wears me out and them out, and they just say, F it, I'm out of here. <laughs> so what you're saying is that it's time for great moments in quitting here on the Hammer oh, and Nigel show. Okay. We're going to start with Andrew Luck. But I am going to retire. Uh, this is not an easy decision. Uh, honestly, it's the hardest decision of my life. No, that's a quit. You, <laughs> you quit, quit right before the regular season oh, starts awful. and set the franchise back to the point to where they still haven't recovered. I was at that preseason game, man, and the booze after that game at him. Because we had pretty much all found out via our phones. During the yeah, game. during the game. And then towards the end, the last thing, one of the best quarterbacks besides Peyton Manning ever to play for the Indianapolis Colts, the last thing he hears walking out of the tunnel are booze. The timing was so bad. bad, You quit on your team right before the season? Great moments in quitting. This was an Alaska news reporter who decided to leave her job to focus on her weed business. Now, everything you heard is why I, the actual owner of the Alaska Cannabis Club, will be dedicating all of my energy toward fighting for freedom and fairness, which begins with legalizing marijuana here in Alaska. (laughs) And as for this job, well, not that I have a choice, but... I quit. <laughs> All right, we apologize for that. We'll be we'll be right back. <laughs> Live on that the was, air. I, I mean, I've got to. You've got to applaud that woman. That was great. And that I quit. Last but certainly not least, this is how I visualize somebody quitting at Coach's Tavern, Tom. <laughs> this is Scarface quitting in half baked. <laughs> you, 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 you're cool. You, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Great moments in quitting on the Hammer and Nigel show. Is this anything? This couple at a hotel is asking the clerk to give them a refund because they found boogers and blood on the wall of their hotel room. Oh. Do we not just complain I'm to you not about this? I'm not even going to discuss you with you anything. What do you right mean you're not going to? We, we are clients. What, what are you mean? talking we're about? We just complaints. left the room and we're telling you that there's blood on the wall. We We've documented this already. Okay. And you just acknowledge that. So you, you're acknowledging you just came up, my, up to our room and cleaned boogers off our wall, right? He's going to puke again. They were boogers and blood. Okay. Right? It still could have been your right? boogers or your Did blood. Did you hear that, Nige? Boogers and blood on the wall. Maybe there's a hair in it, too. I'm not real sure. It's on the wall. <laughs> it's sick. Nige is losing it. <laughs> got him again, baby. We got him again. There's the trash can. If you're on YouTube, you can see it right now. This would, I believe, be number four. The fourth time. Allison, is this your virgin experience for Nigel puking in the studio? Unfortunately, this is my second. I've been working here since February. Go <laughs> <laughs> to break. Go to break. 
Gerber and Nigel show. <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the drivehubler.com hotline. Charlie Arnold of Outkick joins us. Make sure you catch her upcoming show. Getting ready to launch on Outkick right before football season. Miss Charlie, how the hell are you? I've been good. Nice to talk to you guys again. So we're she gonna remembers? get in- wait a minute. Again, right. Wow. Right. We were going to ask, like, you came on our podcast show at a bar a number of years ago. This is before you became Next Level Superstar, and you kicked it with us bums, and we had drinks, and we had a good time. We thought for sure there was no way you remembered that. Oh, my God, of course I remembered it. Well, come on. I, what, do you, what do you think? I've got The reason I've got to where I've got is since I'm a highly intelligent woman, I remember things. I'm <laughs> Well, man, we're excited for all the success that you've had from Fox 59 going through ESPN, of course, the UFC, the WWE, and now OutKick. Uh, So congratulations on all of your success. Let's get into it here a little bit. So you posted a tweet the other day that I thought was really interesting. You were talking about RFK Jr. Now, this is the dude running against Joe Biden. He's not getting any attention from the mainstream traditional media but at the same time he's pulling close to 20 percent of the vote here so my question to you charlie does joe biden have a problem or is this more of rfk jr resonating with people yeah i don't think i would call it a problem because the thing with rfk jr is he just is as you know from a democratic standpoint there's just so many issues that i don't think he falls in line with the traditional values that they hold right now which are mostly insane uh but that's you know a conversation for another day uh so i don't really see too much of a threat i mean joe biden will be the candidate i don't care what happens unless he is deemed to just be unfit to serve which i do think is a very definite possibility but if it's not him I firmly believe it's going to be Gavin Newsom. So I don't think RFK Jr. really poses a threat. Um, I think he more will attract the uh, votes of the independent thinkers rather than the Democrats. But, you know, he's he's interesting. And I think for once, even conservatives are looking at him saying, hmm, yeah. you know, right. I don't know that I would necessarily vote for him, but it's not something they were just writing off automatically, which I like. I think it's nice to have candidates who don't confine themselves into those stereotypical boxes as far as political parties go. So, and listen, he's got a great body. So it's something nice to look at, if nothing else. He is pretty cut. Like, Joe Biden's go-to insult is, how many push-ups you want to do here, Jack? (laughs) That's right. He can't do that with RFK. (laughs) RFK will whip his ass in that category. I know. It's like two very different, like, threats or, like, sentences coming from Joe Biden, where it's like, okay, Grandpa, shut up. And then from (laughs) RFK Jr., like, oh, my God, please don't hurt me. Yeah, last thing on RFK Jr. here is, yeah, we know Joe Biden's going to be the nominee unless he decides to step down for health reasons or whatnot. Or he's impeached by (laughs) Kevin McCarthy. There's that too. Right. Uh, But, man, I think it's really telling that this guy, RFK Jr., is getting about 20% of the vote. To me, that's an indictment on Joe Biden more than it is anything else. 
Oh, my God. Listen, Joe Biden indicts himself. I mean, every day he's saying just the stupidest things like yesterday talking about how Putin in, is involved with the, you know, uh, Iraq and uh, whatever. Yeah. He said. And it's just it's just embarrassing because we are the greatest country in the world. And we have a leader who literally just he's he's just senile. He, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of sad in a way because. You know, you make fun of him, but this guy is clearly losing his mind. Like, even he showed up yesterday with the, the band on his face, the imprint. It's from, like, a sleep apnea device. Like, we just have a completely unfit president, and, and the rest of the world it can't even take us seriously. I mean, think about all the world leaders who hold power or consider themselves of high regard, which, you know, is all of them. Uh, and they're just like, okay, this guy, eh, what, what's, you know, what are what does the United States come to? So it's it's very embarrassing, actually. <laughs> Charlie Arnold with us of OutKick. So how has your summer of pride been going, Charlie? Because according to uh, Admiral (laughs) Rachel Levine, it's no longer just Pride Month. It's the summer of pride. Oh, well, if you ask the White House just the other day, Joe Biden, again, we have to bring up this idiot once again. He was like, happy Pride Month, happy Pride Year, happy Pride Life. And I'm like, oh, my God, why? Why? You know what? Here's the other thing. I I live at the epicenter of where the Pride Parade just took place this past weekend. I was barricaded in my apartment, like I and not by personal choice. I just I couldn't get out. Like there was barricades everywhere. I, I had to like walk two three blocks in one way and go down the street just to get to the coffee shop that was right down the block from me. So it was infuriating for that matter. But also just the scenes that I witnessed were just disgusting. And I actually feel for a lot of that community who lives their lives in a very decent manner. You know, they just want to be themselves. Right. So what did you see specifically? Because that's the big argument. I have no problem if somebody wants to have a wholesome pride parade where they're proud of who they are, they're proud of who they love, that's fine. But when you have grown men in diapers twerking in front of kids, that's where you draw the line, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, like, signs celebrating abortions. There were signs for, like, top surgery surgeons. There was... Uh, you know, I walked into a hotel actually down the street from me because I was going to have brunch and it had a rooftop and it was a beautiful day. So I was like, okay, let me go have lunch on this roof. And I walk in and immediately I see this little boy. He's half naked, looked like he had just jumped out of a pool. I'm not sure if he was in a pool or just happened to like be shirtless for another reason, but he was young. I'm talking like maybe seven years old. And I asked the hostess and I'm like, what's going on over there? Because it was just a weird like thing to see. And she's like, oh, there's a drag brunch or a drag show. And I'm like, you're joking. Because, like, the first thing I saw was this half-naked little boy. And I'm like, wow. uh, suddenly I was like, I'm sorry, I cannot support this restaurant. I can't be here. And I left. Uh, but it was just it's just things like that that really make you mad. Because it, it's one thing uh, to, to want to live your life and, you know, do it as you – know, fine. Like, we don't care what you do. Like, right. We, I, you don't care what I do. I don't care what you do. But don't involve the children. And don't be degenerate about it and don't make a scene like it's just it's easy. But the problem is there's like a subsect of the LGBTQ community who all they want to do is make a scene. And their whole goal is to brainwash children. And it's just gotten to the point where I I think a lot of people have a hard time getting behind the community. And that's it's actually hindering them rather than helping them. It is because pride at one time was worth honoring. It was a way to 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 honor the struggle that homosexuals faced for decades in this country civil rights and the kind of we're here we're queer we're coming after your children chance oh um you know actually robbing the 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 homosexual community of their achievements that are worth to them they've celebrating. hijacked it they've, yeah. hijacked it. they've bastardized it 
Precisely. Charlie Arnold with us. So take me through as a UFC uh, aficionado here, Charlie. Take me through Elon Musk against Mark Zuckerberg in a cage match here. (laughs) Because very few people can break this down the way that you can. You are the pro's pro when it comes to these types of situations. Musk against Zuckerberg. What are we talking about here? So what we're talking about is a fight that could actually happen. I think that's the biggest question. Like, is this, you know, is this a joke? And it is not a joke. Uh, even I, when I saw it on my Twitter, I was like, oh, ha ha, like Elon Musk trolling once again, which is one of my favorite reasons to follow Elon Musk. But Dana White reached out to both of them personally. <laughs> he already had a pretty good relationship with Mark Zuckerberg because Mark Zuckerberg has been training in jiu-jitsu for some time now. So him and Dana White became buddies, you know, just through their commonalities. But he reached out to both of them. They both said they're dead serious about it. Like I said, Mark Zuckerberg already trains in MMA. Elon Musk, not so much. But also, if we know anything about Elon Musk, what he wants, he gets, uh, such as his acquisition of Twitter, uh, which he was willing to pay way over value for. But he's doing it for the greater good of our world. It's not just because he wants to own a tech company. And um, I think that he's going to put in some serious hours in the gym. I know that there are several people who have already offered their services to train him, such as I think Tito Ortiz is one. Okay. Um, who, else, I, who else did I see? I saw um, it's escaping me right now, but there's another name who also said the same thing. They're willing to train Elon Musk because everybody who has some common sense and is on you know the side of the good guys wants Elon Musk to win. So I don't know. I think it could end up being a, a real good fight. And even if it's not a great fight, you know everybody is not going to be able to help themselves but to tune in. So it will be, like Dana White predicted, the best-selling fight in history. I kind of feel like uh, the gambling degenerate in me, Charlie, feels like I did when the Colts used to play the Patriots in the playoffs. I want one side to win, but if I'm betting money, I'm betting the evil empire here. I want Elon Musk to win. I want him to win so bad, but I got a feeling that weirdo, pasty white dude from Facebook is going to beat the (laughs) hell out of him. (laughs) That's actually funny. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. It'll it'll be fun uh, just to see. I think the the working up towards the fight uh, once it's eventually booked, um, just to hear the developments. I'm sure they'll both be putting out content constantly uh, about their training and all that. So that'll be fun as well. Hey, one more thing before we let you go. We're speaking with Charlie Arnold. Uh, her new morning show uh, on OutKick debuting very soon, ahead of the football season, and she's also a Fox News contributor. Uh, Charlie, just tell me what your experience at OutKick has been like for you so far and, and why you decided to leave ESPN and go there. Yeah, so the experience has been phenomenal so far. It's just really cool to be able to speak so freely about really anything. I mean, I'm talking sports, I'm talking politics, I'm talking news, pop culture, and I think anybody who has known me, uh, whether you've gotten a glimpse of me, professionally it's been kind of tough because throughout my career I've had to kind of keep a, a muzzle on it. Uh, But if you know me from a personal standpoint, you are not at all surprised to hear me saying the things that I'm saying. So uh, it's nice to be able to publicly say those things and have a platform to do it in a platform where they also believe in having free speech, in speaking, you know, your truth and all that. And I think it's great. And I love that I'm not confined to one topic. I can really show my range. And I'm just super excited for this morning show because I always knew in my heart I was meant to be on a morning show. I just have the energy. It's the time of day I feel at my best. And I love having the ability to wake up with people and fill them in on what they need to know and bring a smile to their face. And the coolest thing about the show is because it hasn't even been created yet. There's so much 
freedom in terms of creativity and what it can be. And it's cool to be on the ground floor and just be able to, as I imagine, watch it grow uh, from day to day, month to month and year to year. Well, Charlie, we're excited for you. You still got a crap ton of fans here in Indy. We're rooting for you and we'd love to have you back on the show. Anytime. All right, Charlie Arnold of Outkick. This is the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Uh, earlier today, the Supreme Court rejected affirmative action for colleges, Harvard and UNC. And Joe Biden... He spoke about this earlier. He's very upset. Now, I want you to listen to this closely. Joe Biden says affirmative action has been misunderstood and then proceeds to describe how candidates with identical identical qualifications get picked by race. And I strongly, <laughs> strongly disagree with the court's decision because affirmative action is so misunderstood. Oh. I want to be clear, make sure everybody's clear about what the law has been and what it has not been until today. Many people wrongly believe that affirmative action allows unqualified students, unqualified students to be admitted ahead of qualified students. This is not, this is not how college admissions work. Rather, colleges set out standards for admission, and every student, every student has to meet those standards. Yeah. Then and only then, after first meeting the qualifications required by the school, do colleges look at other factors in addition to their grades, such as race. Oh, come on! <laughs> really? Race doesn't come into play until later on in the process. Once everybody's at a nice, even playing field, and you've met the qualifications, then we go by race. Sorry, you know what? Yeah, you all, You've met all the qualifications, you're, you're testing through the roof, your grade point average is amazing, but you know what? We have too many Asian Americans. Ooh. Sorry. So sorry. So uh, you're going to have to go somewhere else because this other guy is a different color than you and we need more of them. But we're not racists, just to let you know. You we're just not that. selecting you because of your race. I don't care what part of the process you're <laughs> in when determining you know, who you're going to pick to go to college. Race cannot enter into it. And anyone who says that racial discrimination is acceptable and constitutional as long as it targets whites or Asian Americans can't be taken seriously. And that includes former President Obama, Joe Biden right now. It's an indefensible position. You're basically saying racism's okay if we're screwing over whitey or if we're screwing over Asian Americans. But other than that, everything's fine. <laughs> Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock My name is Nigel Jason Hammer. Right over there, unfortunately, dealing with the loss of an Indiana state trooper, Aaron Smith dying in the line of duty hammer we have a special guest on the drivehubler.com hotline rick snyder is the president of the fraternal order of police lodge 86 and rick we had already booked you on this program to focus on crime we wanted to talk about what's happening with the broad ripple community but before we do that i want to get your thoughts on what transpired last night in indiana state police trooper, 33-year-old Aaron Smith, losing his life in the line of duty. Yeah, well, our hearts go out to the uh, to the uh, Smith family. 
and uh, to this young bride and and uh, his parents. Uh, this is a strong family of faith, though. I have to tell you, I was blessed to be able to spend the entire night with them, uh, just sitting with them and uh, um, just uh, watching their remarkable faith in action. And uh, just reminds you of what you know, what kind of a man this trooper was. You know, he's not just a trooper. He's not just an officer. But he's a man. He's a husband. He's a son. He's a brother. And uh, the legacy that he has left, not just through his service to his community, but through his leadership and legacy with his family. And uh, it just reminds me, and I hope it reminds my fellow officers, but also the members of our community, that we walk amongst these heroes every day. We often slander them, throw things at them, cast aspersions upon them, but they faithfully stand the line for you and me. And uh, that's exactly what Trooper Aaron Smith did in sacrificing his life last night. Can you just tell me maybe a little bit more about Trooper Smith? I I saw pictures of him on Facebook a few days ago after the tornadoes helping out his fellow neighbors with his young wife um, cleaning up trees and debris and things like that. And, and, you know, the next thing you know, he's gone, lost in the line of, of duty. Can you just talk a little bit about who Trooper Smith was? Well, the one thing that was very clear is that as a as a trooper and a member of the Indiana State Police, he was so well regarded by his fellow uh, officers. And, uh, you know, Superintendent Doug Carter spoke to that last night, uh, said that he was a shining star in the entire ISP. But, you know, uh, a lot of his officers spoke about his his care, uh, not just for them as fellow officers, but his care and his love for his community. You know, watching that video, Rafael Sanchez on WRTV6, he captured video of them serving their fellow neighbors down there in Johnson County after those tornadoes, and it just brought to mind what we talk about all the time, guys. Love God and love your neighbor. And here you have a young man and his young bride who were walking that out, and he was doing that again last night. you know, it's a it's a stark reminder of what our officers face day in and day out. And like we always say, this is not gun violence, knife violence. It's not car violence. It's criminal violence. And it's women and men like these that are standing that line uh, to protect us every single day. We're just so grateful to them and uh, just continue to pray for this family and pray for our police. And, and finally, uh, Rick, what's next for Officer Smith's family? his widow um what kind of options and and um is there any way we can help yeah is there any way we can help and what kind of care does the the fop and the state police and the impd provide to the families in an in the aftermath of a tragedy like this yeah guys always appreciate your support for all of our law enforcement and their families uh we start that process now as you know the fop and the state troopers alliance the indiana state police they have very robust uh, response teams that engage uh, when these tragedies occur. We'll be stepping through the funeral planning process at the invitation at the family, of course. And you got to remember, every one of these families of our fallen officers, they also invite all of us as the community into a very private and personal event in their lives. Um, so those details will be coming forward, and I'm sure there will be opportunities for the opportunity to help support this family in their time of need. And uh, I suspect you'll be getting some information on that from a trusted organization for those funds to funnel through, and we'll keep you posted on that. Rick Snyder joining us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. He's the president of the Fraternal Order of Police. Rick, let's turn our attention to what's happening in Indianapolis, specifically the Broad Ripple 
area. We found out yesterday that the Broad Ripple Village Association has announced that the bars, the clubs, the restaurants, all the nightlife will be closing at one o'clock. Now, to me, I think this is embarrassing. I'm a resident of Marion County. I live in Indianapolis. And this tells me that the city is so unsafe. The leadership in the city has such a lack of grasp of what's happening that businesses have to sacrifice a couple hours worth of their profits to close early. Well, it's shameful for any residents of the entire state of Indiana as Hoosiers. This is our capital city, and this is what we've been talking about for years now, guys, is that even if folks live in another county, they have to take note that this is your capital city, and as your capital city goes, so goes the rest of the state. And we've warned for four years now, starting in downtown Indianapolis, that this crime and violence has ripple effects that people often don't think about. But the big one is the effects upon the business community. Listen, business does not function. The Convention and Conference uh, Bureau does not perform. Uh, and folks do not come to a city and spend money when they feel unsafe. That is why policing, law enforcement, and closing the revolving door of criminal justice is so vitally important. Here are the real-world outcomes. Just as we have been saying that when decision makers fail to close that revolving door of criminal justice, we now see that businesses are forced to close theirs. That's the tragic outcome here. You had a business community that said, well, it's not a 2 p.m. thing. It's a 2 a.m. thing. And because of the time of night, we're going to make some changes. Well, it reminds us that crime always revolves around people, places, and times and events. And uh, you look at the decision that they had to make. I think there's drastic outcomes and impacts upon these business owners, many of them small business owners. Um, And they're going to now they're going to now pay the consequences because the criminals in Indianapolis aren't facing any consequences when it comes to their criminal actions. And that's why we need leadership in this city to turn that around and say, no, we're putting our foot down and we're going to assertively enforce the law in this city and uh, take this community back. But guys, I've got to be the bearer of bad news. The residents of Indianapolis elected a prosecutor that we consistently can show plays a critical role in the dysfunction of our criminal justice system. And we now have four more years of that to face. And the thing that bothers me, Rick, is that I always see a lot of people complaining, well, you guys always say this and say that. What's your solution? We have given solutions out time and time again on this program. I know you have given out solutions. I remember a press conference that you had with Reverend Charles Harrison downtown in Indianapolis giving solutions, but it seems like all of these solutions fall on deaf ears. Well, not only that, but they are are actively rejected uh, by our elected officials. And, guys, at some point, somebody has to ask the question, why? Why does it start to give the appearance that intentional steps are being taken to deconstruct the criminal justice system in our community? And the outcomes of all of this are the tragic loss of lives. We had these business leaders in Broad Ripple come together and say, quote, unquote, all hands on deck. Reverend Harrison and I made that call to action in 2019. Literally the day we did that, we came on your guys' radio show in studio and outlined a series of proposed solutions to take the city back. But, guys, these same elected leaders rejected that. They now stand before you and say, hey, please reelect us in this upcoming election. And that was nearly 900 lives ago. 
So you're going to tell me what lives matter here, yet you intentionally turned a blind eye to uh, 900 of our fellow residents and visitors losing their lives as a result of violence in the city. Do you think, I mean, after the shooting in Broad Ripple over the weekend, one of the solutions uh, they came up with was gun-free zones uh, up and down Broad Ripple Avenue. Now, it looks like because of the Broad Ripple Village Association and the agreement to shut down at 1 or one thirty from here on out, I don't think that's going to happen. But you saw Mayor Hogsett come out with all these um, uh, anti-gun initiatives. And the thing is, I've been seeing these same kinds of headlines in Broad Ripple for years. It's not just like all of a sudden in 2023, we're having this problem. 2021, 2020, 2022, we've been seeing the same headlines over and over and over again. And now in an election year, all of a sudden we're coming up with these solutions. Well, like I've said publicly, you know, we see all these indie politicians suddenly clutching their pearls and acting so outraged yes. by this violence. And so it's sudden, like well, what we, we've said, hey, welcome to the party, folks. What has taken you so long to engage here? And now what you see is this intentional act to try to cast dispersions and change focus and make it sound like this is just some recent event. We have publicly put forward headline after headline after headline. Mm-hmm of tragedies that have occurred of not just shootings and shots fired, but people being stabbed as well in the Broad Ripple area for going back to at least 2016, guys. But we showed many of those that occurred well before the July 1st, 2022 enactment of what has been called permitless carry in the state of Indiana. But you have politicians that are trying to ascribe the permitless carry as the cause for this violence, yet have no explanation for all the violence that occurred before it. And guys, here's what we have found. Thus far, in 180 days in Indianapolis, we're averaging a person shot or stabbed every seven and a half hours in our city. We're averaging a person killed every 39 hours. Now, those are terrible stats. Those should get the attention of anybody. But here's the thing. They're not any worse. In fact, they may be slightly better than what the trends have been in the years prior to July 1st, 2022. So this whole false flag argument that this change in law caused this surging violence isn't holding up. In addition to that, we've got this one other constant thing that's shown. You have a mother of a victim in Broad Ripple that said it's too congested up there and this is nothing but a money thing. I don't think she's too far off. But the thing that the Broad Ripple Village Association or any of these other groups better start thinking about when they fall into this trap of this pie-in-the-sky dream of the mayor that we'll just construct gun-free zones is that to do that, you've got to enter into a private event agreement, a permit. And with that comes the liability, folks. Now when something happens at your private event, who bears the liability on that? I think the business community up there got hit to that real quick, and that's why you saw a sharp change in course of action. And maybe we start cutting back on the hours and avoid the private event zone, but that's to be seen. But I can guarantee you that was not part of the discussion when the mayor outlined that. And, guys, I encourage you to do this. Keep our long, lengthy written statement handy over the next several months in response to the mayor's announcements, because you're going to see time and again, we can simply go back to that and point to the error in his ways and uh, show what's really going on here. And it really is disappointing that so many people buy a lot of misinformation coming out of the mayor's office, because Joe Hawks that will sit here and act like, permitless carry, constitutional carry is some sort of reason for an uptick. But then when you push back and say you realize you still have to pass a background check, 
Nothing has changed in that regard. And the worst year for homicides in Indy historically happened, one, under Hogsett's leadership, and number two, before that law was enacted. You don't normally get a lot of pushback after you explain those facts to people. But unfortunately, there's a large amount of voters in this city, Rick, that that would be news to them. Well, I think it raises this bigger issue, which is the reason why folks get so confused about the the, the uh, specifics of these proposals is because, quite frankly, uh, to some of our folks in the media business, they're not asking the tough questions, and they haven't been since 2019. We've been very emphatic on that. Now, there are some individual reporters who will do it, but we have news directors in this city that we know for a fact are squashing these stories and squashing the tough questions of being asked. I've said since 2019. Why the hell isn't a reporter or a gang of reporters beating down the door of the mayor's office demanding answers on these issues, but they won't do it? Those reporters answer to somebody, and we've had even a reporter who has since retired from the business that publicly came forward and said, I sat in meetings and listened to news directors squashed the stories, told us, don't talk to Rick Snyder or the FOP anymore. Don't retweet what they're saying as though this is a child playground issue. These are lives that are at stake, and the tough questions need to be asked. Guys, I'll close with this. The only people living behind bars in the city of Indianapolis are its residents, its business owners, and students. The criminals are not. Rick Snyder, President, Fraternal Order of Police. Rick, thank you so much for joining us. And as always, uh, tell all of the officers that we support what they do. Thank you. God bless. And please keep the uh, Trooper and Smith family in your prayers. Absolutely. The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Richard Essex is an award-winning investigative journalist for our news partners over at Wish TV 8. Richard, you've been covering this Delphi murder story for a long time. Yesterday was a pretty big day. A lot of documents were uncovered. For those who didn't get a chance to pay attention yesterday, what did we learn? Well, we have hundreds of pages of documents, and we're still still going through them. But the big thing that we found out that Ab- how Abby and Libby were murdered. That was the first time that we had where investigators had written documents that these girls died at the hands of a sharp object and. Going through the probable cause or in some of the search warrant information that was released yesterday, they took 20 knives out of Richard Allen's house, plus the gun that he had. So there's um, starting to piecing things together. It's starting to look more and more like Mr. Allen had a, a, a hand in, in their murders. Well, I thought... Beyond that were the transcripts of the phone calls that Richard Allen yeah. uh, made to his wife. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, those were those were pretty alarming to read, uh, and I, I was reading through those again this morning, where you know he admits five or six times to his mother and to his wife that he committed these murders, and it, they must have been to the point where it was shocking for his wife to hear because she she. Had, abruptly ended one of those conversations just um, you know when they were having that and something else that I found interesting this morning is that every single one of these of these conversations were recorded and I, I didn't know that that the uh, Department of Corrections recorded every single one of these conversations so that's gonna I suspect that 
the prosecution is going to make hay with with those recordings. What do you think the defense is going to do? Probably try well, to get I them suppressed. I think they're going to challenge that. They, I think they're going to they're going to say that you know he's not his right mind, which you know they're they're laying the groundwork yes. for that now. Yep. That you know his mental health, his physical health has deteriorated, and when you look at him from when he was first arrested last October to when he appeared in court just a couple of weeks ago, it's a remarkably different person. And when when he was leaving court a couple of weeks ago, when we were up there earlier in the month. He walked past his wife, and I was sitting right behind his wife. He walked past her, and he kind of stopped, and he looked at her, but he didn't look at her like, hey, how are you? I can't believe it's you, or, you know, I'm okay. It was just this really blank stare, and then as as he kept coming through— he gave me the very same look. It kind, of, it kind of frightened me. And the other reporters that wow. were sitting around me like, why is he looking at you that way? And but So the guy has absolutely changed. I don't know if it's an act or if he or if or what, but there's no question there. The lights are the lights are on, but I don't think there's anybody home right now. Richard, how is he being treated in jail? I know you had a story on Wish TV about some letters that have been coming in. Well, I I think Westville, which historically has been a pretty rough prison in the first place, it's I always knew it as the prison where um, the psychiatric prison for the for. Um, for criminals, and it's never been an easy place. I, I have family live up there. I remember driving by that place, um, and it just looks it looks medieval. So it, it sounds to me like he's had a pretty rough go. They put him in isolation. It's kind of way back in the property. There's a handful of people there, and there's a letter that one of his fellow inmates had sent to the court where. Some of the officers had been calling him a kid killer, and he's been threatened by other inmates, inmates telling him to to kill himself, as other inmates are telling him they're going to kill him. So it's not that he deserves to have an easy go with things, but it sounds like it's rougher than than most places. Richard Essex, Wish TV News, investigative journalist covering Delphi, and one of the okay. So these these documents that were unsealed yesterday, you said there's hundreds of pages. I, I'm assuming I haven't heard anything about DNA evidence. I haven't heard anything about the actual murder weapon. I haven't heard anything about you know was there blood on any of Richard Allen's clothing? Does it say anything about no? There there's mentioned that he was spotted on the Monon High Bridge trail with muddy and bloody clothes on. And that's that's in the probable cause. One thing that I found interesting is you remember when when this first kind of started breaking, um, there was a picture of a younger guy. Where And there's no mention of a younger person. It's like we just lost like three, four years of this investigation, yeah. and they jump right to Richard Allen. Now, maybe that's in documents that haven't been released, or maybe they don't find those relevant, but I don't hear any, I don't see any mention of this younger guy. And the conversation that Allen had with the conservation officer in 2017, and then Allen come, and his wife come back for another interview with police, 
and he remembers all the same details. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I can't remember what I did in 2017 on February 13th to the detail that he remembers them by. So uh, that it's those kind of things that started starting to make me think that yeah, this guy's probably he he may really be the guy. Um, you know, you try not to develop a a a bias, so to speak, in the in these cases, but we've been following this for years and I wasn't convinced when they when they arrest him that he was the guy. But now as you start reading some of this like hey, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people that saw him at the same place and he remembers some things years after years have gone by, he's telling the same story. So it had to have been a significant time in his life. And Richard, now we turn our attention to the trial, which is slated to begin early next year. I think a lot of people are wondering about this search warrant, because it feels like the defensive strategy here is going to say that you're going to have to get rid of all of this evidence because the search warrant was bogus. For a long time, we had just heard that an unspent round traced back to Richard Allen's house was supposed to be like, for lack of a better choice of words, a smoking gun here. But it sounds like in these documents released yesterday, there's a lot more to the search warrant than just that one piece of ammunition. Yeah, there is. And, and, and honestly, I'm just getting, I'm only about a third of the way through that search warrant. I've been reading the probable cause over and over this morning. But one thing that I have been hearing is that you've got this ballistics information for an unspent round, and you're going to bring that into a court where it was determined that these girls died at the hands of, of, of a sharp object, you know, probably a knife. And you're going to introduce a ballistics evidence for a gun that wasn't used in the murder. Mm -hmm. So I think there's going to be a challenge to that. Where can we get more information, Richard? Wish TV, 5 o'clock, wishtv.com all day long. And I know as we go through these documents, we're putting them online because not everything needs to be put up there. There's some of this stuff is is procedural and is just duplicated. So we're we're putting all of the relevant. I think we we actually have everything up there right now. But as we go through more and more, we'll have it up there. Richard Essex, award-winning investigative journalist for Wish TV. Richard, you're the best. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, gentlemen. The hammer and. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. We'll go to the DriveHubler.com hotline and bring back an old friend, Rob Sabatini, longtime bar owner in Broad Ripple, the Broad Ripple trifecta, Rock Lobster, Mineshaft, Average Joe's. Rob, thanks for coming back on the show. How are you? Hey, hey, thanks, guys. You know, I'm good. Um, thanks for having me back. It's been uh, almost two months. Well, now you know, it's the least spoke. you could do because the money, I mean, uh, the amount of money I've spent at your establishments, <laughs> I sent like three of your kids to college. So you, you know, and and it's good because I don't have any kids. So. <laughs> it's all in your pocket. Hey, um, so okay, let's start at the beginning here. The Broad Ripple Village Association announced that all bars and restaurants going to shut their doors at, at 1 a.m. every day until further notice. I want to get your thoughts on that, but 
Before we get to that, take us back to Saturday night when all this started and there was talk of gun-free zones and there was a shooting Saturday night into Sunday morning. A few people, unfortunately, lost their lives. What do you know about that and what went down? Yeah, yeah. well, you can kind of you can kind of take this back really two years to when they announced this uh, this project, uh, this redo Broad Ripple Avenue project. And one of the things that was failed to be mentioned in, in really anything, maybe there has been a little bit more now, but initially the press conference and, and the initial reports, uh, nobody has really, really gotten to the point where there is basically from Guilford Avenue down to college, uh, a completely closed off seven foot high fence around Broad Ripple, around Broad Ripple Avenue right mm-hmm. now. Uh, leaving to really, really narrow corridors on the sidewalk. Um, you know, uh, personally, I mean, I've always, always been, uh, always been involved in safety up here. You know, I was, I got a an accommodation from the city county council back in 2007 for public safety. So I'm, I'm pretty aware of the kind of stuff that goes on up here. So one of the major things uh, right off the bat for me was, was at least with. In, in uh, with my bars was the safety factors with this fencing that was going to go up, and we made we made big issues about it. Uh, my insurance company came out and looked at it, deemed that it was very unsafe. I ended up losing a one million dollar umbrella policy because of the unsafeness of it. Then on on June twelfth, they finished the first phase of the project and they went to the second phase and at that point in time we were all under the assumption that the fence was going to start at the edge of rock lobster and and move its way move its way uh west on broad Pole avenue but instead they blocked off the entire street so now you have uh basically unattainable fencing from guilford avenue all the way down the street with a seven foot high, seven foot high. Fence. And what makes it so unsafe? It's just that it's keeping people it, in close proximity. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, if you're just walking down the street, it's not safe. But, but for for nightclubs, for nightclubs exiting, uh, exiting customers, uh, close quarters, yeah. and especially when you throw in a loitering factor. I mean, you have potential problems. So after after notifying uh, and talking or emailing uh, local agencies, none of them were too concerned about this being an issue or anything. And then and then Saturday night came along. So now you've got the fence line on the other side of the street, and there's some issues on the other side of the street with several establishments. But but that fence line, you couldn't have jammed another person into it. They were just they were just wall to wall. It was wow. it was like the Rock Lobster is on on New Year's Eve, sure. basically. So you can you can, uh, you know. But this is all outside. One of the things that needs to be noted: it, it happened around a little bit after two o'clock. This all happened on the other side of the street, in the middle of the block. It didn't happen. Didn't happen on Guilford and Broderick Avenue, like some people assume okay. it did. This happened in the middle of the block at the point that it happened. Kilroy's was closed. OPT's was closed. The Alley Cat was no longer taking customers. Broadville Tavern was closed. All three of my establishments were closed or not taking any more customers when a fight broke out on the other side of the street before the shooting occurred. But this fight on the other side knocked the fencing down, and now you've got people brawling in the middle of the yeah. in the middle of the of the construction zone. So, without a real plan. You know, one of the things we had, I had asked the IMPD is what their emergency and response plan was, and they told me they had that. 
and they obviously weren't as prepared as they possibly could have been, and they were trying to react to this shooting through crowds of people running the opposite yeah. direction. When the ambulances came to respond, they had to respond from about a block and a half away because nobody could get down into the section where the people you know, where the people were shot because it was all... It's ridiculous. It was all blocked off by the by the construction project. So, like I said, we got up in the morning on on Saturday, and a couple things that are of note was when we went to bed on Saturday night at, at 6 a.m., there were 116... There were 116 comments on the Citizens app about this particular incident, and when we woke up on on Sunday morning around noon, there were 15. So there were a hmm. bunch of so there were a bunch of comments deleted. wiped off, yeah. deleted. Yeah, and this was after they had their their press conference. Well, in the press conference, they didn't mention anything about the construction, anything about the fencing. You know, they said there were a lot of police officers there, but there weren't any any police officers really directly attending to the problem on the other side of the street, which was the, uh, you know, which was the, the, the vast number of people that were inside that, inside that fence line. So, um, you know, that's kind of what happened on, on the Saturday night. So we had a meeting yesterday and it was, it was basically, you know, you know, to fight any preconceptions, preconceptions on, on what it was. It was actually called, by the bar, by the bar community, uh, because you know we've just we've just been pushed around and we've had enough of of what goes on up here. And I mean, no matter what happens, you know, if you have 80 shots fired and nothing's done, you have a pretty good idea that nothing's going to be done unless something drastic happens. And and you know, I mean, we all know that the reason why this has become an issue is because there were three people killed and not because it was just another act of violence in broad ripples. So all the excuses are always the same. You know, you can't solve personal conflicts with gunfire, right? You know, problem parenting, Rob, let me jump in here real quick. Jason Hammer yeah. here. So, the basically Broad Ripple Village Association, they say, all right, you guys all have to shut down at 1 o'clock. To me, now I'm not a business owner, but to me, that seems like this is leadership blaming business owners in Broad Ripple for a bunch of the situations that you guys had nothing well, to do with. The, the BRBA hosted the meeting but it was the bar owners themselves that came up with with the solution i mean i mean it's just such an i mean unfortunately it's just such an unsafe situation that most of us were closing before 1 or 1:30 anyway so uh this this meeting was facilitated through the brva but the brva i, I don't want to you know i don't want to throw them under the bus because the brva did nothing but uh nothing but but host the meeting and let us make our own decisions and and this was a unanimous vote by us as bar owners to do this because because we know that if we do this then it'll be a hundred percent on the city and their and their response to that to get this problem cleaned up for us is there a concern about a loss of revenue uh for the places that wanted to stay open well, the, the the loss of revenue is is so extreme right now up here that that it doesn't it's not going to make that big a difference. And in fact, you know, they talk about problem problem properties. And and when we got into the meeting yesterday, the only the only people that felt it was it was necessary to move forward were the problem properties. And the reason the problem properties obviously want to stay open is because. This kind of activity is very profitable for them. So there are business owners um, that are problem 
owners, so to speak. Oh, there are oh, bar oh, operators. Yes, yes, there. I mean, I mean, yes, there are. And like I said, that's the third. That's the third one they always point the finger at. But they've been pointing the finger at the same at the same businesses for businesses and things for for many many years what kind of things are they are you doing and they're not doing because as far as i know i've never seen there hasn't been a shooting in a nightclub it's always been outside where the public is no no it's i mean you know if you really want to if you really want to want to narrow it down it's it's who you're targeting as your as your uh, clientele base. What kind of music you're playing inside your your places. What the what the theme is of what you're doing inside. And and you know in this particular case, I mean in this particular case, this is just. I mean there was nothing really open. So in this particular case, this is just this is just a bad law of not allowing or of not doing anything about loitering in the street. I mean, this is a this is more of a loitering in the street problem than it is a bar problem or anything else. So it's kind of our hope that if we can get get shut down. I mean, there's no there's no customers any of us want after 1.30 anyway. We've been talking a lot about the crime in Broad Ripple, how it's affecting the bars and businesses. Rob Sabatini is a longtime Broad Ripple bar owner on the DriveHero.com hotline. You mentioned it's a loitering problem, Rob, and one of the things that I heard from another bar owner was a lot of the problems, honestly, are folks that aren't going into the clubs. They're not even old enough to be there. They certainly have a rap sheet, possibly, not legally able to have a firearm that seems like it's a little bit of a problem too are you seeing any of that well well, well, yeah absolutely i mean uh like i said the last time we talked first of all if 80 shots doesn't get people's attention yeah you know um you know just i mean in my opinion a lot of this could be could have been prevented or, or lessened but you know the people that got shot were between 22 and 24 years old um you know there there are a lot of people out there they're not necessarily you know they're not necessarily all all minors there's some there's some older older people out there too i'd say the the crowd is between 20 and and 30 years old i don't see very many 16 16 year olds that i would call 16 year olds running around the neighborhood but but they come out at the the crowd comes out big crowd comes out to hang out on the street at about 132 o'clock in the morning and there's no intention of going into going into the bars there's way more there's way more people that can ever fit in the bars. So, you know, they bring their guns, they bring their, their bottle of booze, and they just hang out in the street. And wow. because there's no loitering or, any, or no loitering laws or anything, that they are just allowed to do so. So it's, so, so it's our hope that by closing at 1.30, we're able to close down ourselves as a, a destination. And city officials have, have promised to clear the streets out. And that's why the thing went into effect to, to try to close by 1.30. And then it's up, up to the city, and they can quit blaming us as yeah. as people that, that are complicit in this problem. Because it's not our problem. I mean, like I said, when this went down, there was nobody open because it wasn't safe enough to be open. Rob Sabatini, Rock Lobster, Average Joe's, Mineshaft, Broad Ripple, Trifecta. I hope you guys have a better weekend uh, coming up than last weekend. I hope you have a wonderful 4th of July, Rob. Keep us updated, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you, fellas. Appreciate it. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.